0: Well, like all of you, I'm sure you're waiting for, looking forward to Saturday, maybe even family gatherings before where you get to exchange presents, right? That's one of the fun things that we do at Christmas time, and certainly uh, we're going to have the opportunity to do that this week. I brought one with me. This is actually a present to Timmy from Gracie, Uh, and uh, I'm sure Timmy would love it if I opened it right now and ruined the surprise for him. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, but one thing I'll tell you is that uh, I know for a fact that Gracie spent time determining what the best gift for him would be this this year. As we all have, I'm sure, with the gifts that we're going to give the people that we love, we spend a lot of time shopping. We spend a lot of time uh, thinking about uh, most of us, at least. Maybe there might be a few last minute gifts out there, I'm sure. But most of us spend time. Uh, thinking about the appropriate gift for the person that we are getting the gift for. We want it to have meaning, right? We want it to have uh, an impact. We want them to enjoy it. We want it to be something that they will use, or if it's our children, something that they will play with or uh, that they are looking for. Maybe they've even asked for it. But it is difficult to find the right gift, especially for some people. It's hard to find the right gift, but that's something that we all aspire to do. I looked this year at a comparison of gifts from today versus 100 years ago. I found uh, an article that looked at letters that children wrote to Santa Claus back in the 1920s, found in newspapers from the 20s as well as some of the popular items that people were getting uh, for each other. I just want to read through a few of them. Uh, For little girls in the 1920s, they wanted baby dolls. They wanted doll buggies. They wanted doll stoves. So dolls were huge in 1921, in the early 20s. the, The little boys wanted cowboy suits. They wanted tricycles. They wanted BB guns. Uh, There were new toys in the 20s too, red wagons, yo-yos, pedal cars that you could ride on, tinker toys, electric trains were new. They were big in the 20s. Uh, They ran on batteries or electricity, which was also uh, relatively new to homes in the 20s. Sometimes children would dream big and ask Santa for a pony for Christmas. Adults, again, electricity now in many people's homes in the 20s. They wanted uh, things like moms were asking for electric irons, uh, toasters, vacuum cleaners. And men wanted uh, things like uh, practical things, I guess. All of these are practical. Uh, They were asking for socks and hats, handkerchiefs, house slippers, Robes, pocket knives, those were some common choices. I'm, I'm not that practical with my Christmas requests. I like things that are a little more fun to play with, buttons that light up. But we compare that, that's the 20s, and some things haven't changed, right? Some things stay the same. But today, here are some of the popular gifts for 2021, okay? One, the, the first one on the list, which was surprising to me, was a portable campfire. I guess maybe if you're going camping, you can take that with you. A 3-in-1 Apple charging station. We've got so many devices now, we need so many plugs, you can have a 3-in-1 charging station. And I don't know what this is, but an EcoSmart sweatshirt. Not sure what that is, but hey, it's a popular gift this year. A temperature-controlled smart mug. The second generation of that is out this year, and it's popular. Uh, A moon lamp. I, I saw a picture of it. It looks, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, personalized tall water tumblers or drink tumblers with straws. And evidently, the Amazon Echo Dot fourth generation is now out, and you can get that. That's a popular choice. Uh, streaming devices are popular. The Roku Express 4K Plus. Uh, And this for your kids. If you're looking for a stuffed animal for your kids, the original reversible, reversible, reversible—it's hard to say—original reversible octopus plushie. If you want that, you can get that for your kids. The R.D. 3000 coding robot. You can get your kids started on coding at an early age. And the shiatsu back neck massager. If you need a massage, you can have that. And a lot of people are working from home, so a popular gift this year is the home office lap desk. Little, little bit of a difference between the original electrical items that we see and some of the toys that we see in 100 years. A lot has changed in the past 100 years, but one thing hasn't changed... And that's that we always want to find gifts that people want. We want to give gifts that people will like. The perfect gift that people like. Finding a gift, the right gift, and giving the right gift can be difficult, though. And listen, receiving a gift can be difficult. You know, we've all been in those parties, those family parties, where somebody gives you a gift they're excited about. You open it up and you're like, oh, a brand new pair of socks, right? It's difficult sometimes to receive and receive graciously. And sometimes, even the best gift, some people don't like the attention. It's hard to receive a gift. You know, you, the attention is drawn to you, and everybody's looking to see what your reaction is going to be. We appreciate gifts, we should appreciate gifts, but I'm sure a lot of us have forgotten many of the gifts that we've gotten through the years because we've used them, they've worn out, the newness wore off, and we've, gotten so, we've received so many gifts that we've forgotten many of them. On the other hand, there are some gifts that make such an impression on us that we will remember them our entire lives. Some we've kept uh, for sentimental reasons for our entire lives. These, those that have that greatest impact are the best gifts. Those are the ones that we cherish. Those are the ones that we remember. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, giving and receiving the best gifts. Uh, First, we need to understand this truth as we get started this morning. We want to know the true meaning of Christmas. We're focusing on Jesus, his birth. We're holding loosely the things of the, the world, even gifts, that we love because we're looking at the true story of Christmas. And that is, the true story of Christmas is the story of Emmanuel, God with us. That's the true story of Christmas. And as we've seen the past two weeks, in response to Jesus' birth, we saw wise men who received, they saw the star, they knew the announce, that was the announcement, they knew the, the new king was coming, and so they traveled from the east to Jerusalem To meet this king. That was a natural place they thought that they should go. Uh, They were wrong and they received instruction there. But we'll read through Matthew chapter 2 again to kind of refresh our memory and zero in on a few things this morning. Uh, Verse 1 After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. Now, Matthew mentioning Jesus being born in Bethlehem of Judea is significant. We've talked a little bit about this because it fulfills prophecy. Um, it's, it's in verses four through six, which we're not going to read. It talks about this. This was a fulfillment of prophecy, which Jesus fulfilled various prophecies in his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. He was the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of the long awaited Jewish Messiah. And so he, Matthew's drawing attention to this with announcing the place of his birth. Um, all the details are there, uh, then verse uh, we we look at the the second part of verse uh, one. Wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him." Now these men from the east, you know, there's some differing opinions, but most likely they were from uh, Mesopotamia, which is modern-day, the area of modern-day Iraq, Kuwait, Turkey, Syria, that area. So they had traveled a long way. Uh, They were culturally influential people. Um, They were students of the stars. They weren't evil magicians or anything like that. They were students. They were wise men, uh, very knowledgeable, very studious. And we don't know, we tend to think three wise men. We don't really know how many there, there were, but we can... Uh, we can guess, we can, we can assume that this was a large group of people. To be traveling as far as they did, this would have been a large caravan of people traveling. And probably multiple wise men in that caravan. Uh, verse 7, skip ahead. Herod secretly, secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So from this passage this morning, we're going to look at characteristics of the best gifts. We're going to see what that's all about, what the true meaning of that is. Number one, the best gifts are given with sincere motives. A story I read a while back, a long time ago, that I've kept of a, of a, a woman who gave her daughter, they were going to church, gave her daughter uh, a dollar and a quarter before the service and told her daughter, "You, when it's time to take up the offering, you place whichever one of those, the dollar or the quarter, in the offering plate, whichever you feel like you should give. And so the service goes on. And they complete the offering. The mom and the daughter are leaving, and the mom asked the daughter, So, which one did you give? And did you give the dollar or did you give the quarter? And the daughter said, Well, you know, the pastor, before we took up the offering, the pastor said, The Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I knew I would be a lot happier if I kept the dollar and gave the quarter, so I gave the quarter. You know, we do that, don't we? We tend to give what's convenient. We we don't maybe our motives aren't quite pure. It's not a selfless gift. We're giving, you know, what we think is convenient to get or cheap to buy, or even of our time. You know, we only give the spare time that we have. We don't necessarily give always. This isn't always true. Sometimes we do give with sincere motives, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes our motives are not right. So it begs the question for all of us. What are our motives for giving? We see in this story in Matthew chapter two, we see examples of both. There are two types of gifts that we tend to give uh, sometimes we give gifts because we have to right you know it's expected it's a birthday or uh you know to give appearances you know maybe someone it's uh it's someone that's not even close to us but but the event itself requires that we give a gift or it's expected that we give a gift. And and if we're honest, we're just doing it to check off that, that box on our list to do it. But then there are also gifts that we give because we want to. We sincerely want to do something for someone and to show our love and appreciation. Uh, we desire to do it. We, we care about that person. We're showing love by giving a gift. And those are really all of the gifts we give fall into those two categories if you think about it and there are two kinds of motives that we have there are sincere motives which we see have seen and we'll look at again today the the motives of the wise men they, they they were sincere in their gifts they they sincerely desired to give the gift that they gave to the new king and then there are selfish motives and Herod falls right into that category right His intention, he said, I want to go worship him, but we know that that was not his true motive. Herod called the magi into his chambers to try, try to determine who this new king was. He was getting information from them, and he was using them. His motives were not sincere. He tells them, hey, you know, you go, you find out where this king is, you come back and tell me I'm going to go worship him, but we know from the the latter part of this this story that his motive in finding out where the king was was anything but uh, pure. He wanted to find this new king so that he could eliminate this new king because this new king would have been a threat to his rule, to his throne. But God shows us the proper motive for our gifts, and this is certainly behind sincere motives that we have. The proper motive with gift giving is seen in the gift of, of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that motive is love. Our motive for giving, whatever it is, whether it's a gift, whether it's our time, whether it's service, our motives should be love. First John 4.10, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is love. The gift of Jesus is the greatest example of love that the world has ever known, seen, or experienced. Sincere love. The best gifts are given with sincere motives. Also, the best gifts are given with special meaning. I brought a couple of gifts. Yeah, I talked about gifts that, we, that we've all received. There have been plenty of gifts that I've gotten through the years that I have long since forgotten. But there are also gifts that I've gotten through the years that I remember, will always remember, and have kept. And both of these gifts were given to me. I showed you the gift that Gracie's giving Timmy this year. Both of these gifts were given to me by Gracie as well, although she didn't know she was giving them at the time. Uh, Her first Christmas in 2005, we were rebuilding our house from Katrina. Uh, Our house had been destroyed in many ways, and so um, a lot of my tools had been destroyed and, and uh, her mother decided I needed a tool belt, so they bought me a tool belt, and I still use it. I guess I'll use it until it falls apart, but this tool belt is special because on the back, it says, My Daddy's Tool Belt. This was Gracie's first Christmas, so her mother wrote that, of course. Uh, <laughs> and it says, Abby Grace, December the 25th, 2005. And if you can see, maybe you can, these two little bitty handprints on there are Gracie's handprints from her first Christmas. So, And they've, they've stayed. They haven't worn off, and I've used this quite a bit. So I'll keep this. Even when it's old and tattered and worn out, where I can't use it functionally anymore, I'll keep it. And then another gift that I got her first Christmas, um, I'm picking on Gracie a little bit this morning, but these are special gifts, was was this picture that her mother put together, and this is a cute little baby picture of Gracie, her first Christmas, and it says, I love my daddy. This was my first Christmas as a dad, and so I keep this. This is in, stays in my office, and we'll keep this forever. These gifts have meaning. These gifts have purpose. They have significance, and that's why I hang on to them, because They are special to me. They represent more than just the materials they're made of. It represents a time in my life where we were starting a family and we were facing a pretty incredible challenge and rebuilding after Hurricane Katrina, Uh, but still in the midst of that, I had a lot to be thankful for. I had a new daughter. I had a wife who did and continues to love and support me to this day. And God took care of us, a lesson for us today, I think. And then, of course, this gift, my first Christmas as a father, the responsibility, the challenge, the calling God had placed on my life as a husband and a father. All of these have great significance. They have special meaning. And these types of gifts that have special meaning are that way because they are from the heart. We see the wise men bring their gifts to Jesus, and we see in their actions their posture that they are, are sincerely expressing their admiration um, their love for this new king they bowed down and worshipped him when when they found out where jesus war- was they they went into the house and they were overjoyed by what they had found. the king that they had found this this baby uh, they bowed and they worshipped him they showed their their affection they showed their admiration for this new king their Their destination wasn't just a place. They weren't just going to a place. Their destination was a person, and they found Jesus. They were filled with joy, and they expressed that joy. It was personalized. Gifts with special meaning are personalized, just like this tool belt is personalized with handprints and a date and a name. These gifts that that the wise men gave to Jesus were personalized. They were fit for a king. It's very similar, these gifts are, to the gifts that Queen Sheba gave to Solomon to show respect. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, the Queen of Sheba heard about Sol- Solomon's fame, connected with the name of Yahweh, and came to test him with difficult questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very large entourage. Sound familiar? With camels bearing spices. Gold in great abundance and precious stone. Sounds familiar there too, doesn't it? She came to Solomon and spoke to him about everything that was on her mind. So these, these gifts we are, are that we see the wise men bringing to Jesus are gifts that were fit for a king. And, and we see that similar gifts given to, to Solomon. Gold, you know, we see them, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, spices, and, and precious metals fit for a king, but we believe that there's greater significance here. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The gold, of course, uh, fit for a king. It's the king of metals. And then frankincense used in temple worship uh, and sacrifices. And and we believe God is intentional, and we believe that that is a symbol of Jesus as the high priest, uh, his, his deity, but also his sacrifice that he would make. And then myrrh, of course, was used for embalming. Um, And so a a prediction, they wouldn't have known this, but a prediction of what he was here to do, to die for our sins. In the Old Testament, it's also, myrrh was also uh, used as a symbol of festivity and joy, though. So when you put all this together, yes, I believe there's greater significance than even what they understood. But one thing is clear, they were recognizing him as king. And we know because of the greater significance, because of what he did, he's not just a king. He's the king, the king of kings and Lord of lords. So these gifts that were given had great significance. And the best gifts have great significance. They have special meaning because of what they represent, because of the motives uh, in giving those gifts, and because of the relationships around those gifts. The best gifts have special meaning, Um, the best gifts also are given at significant moments. You know, we think about significant moments in our lifetimes, you know, Christmas, first Christmas as a dad, or Christmas, first Christmas as a husband and wife, the first Christmas of our child, birthdays, weddings, uh, graduation, you know, significant moments in our lives that we honor with the gift that we give. And even in that, we're trying to find the best gift for that moment. We're trying to find the gift that matches the moment that will be significant. So maybe, you know, 16 years later, somebody's still talking about it and showing it to people uh, and talking about the meaning. For us, it's those types of things. For the wise men, this moment was significant because the King of Jews, the Savior, had come. You know, God brought the birth of the king to the attention of these gentiles and they they were not Jews he brings it to their attention for an important reason they probably traveled at least several months maybe even one to two years some people estimate they traveled a very long distance to honor this new king with their gifts and Matthew includes all of this information and he does it intentionally he wants the readers, us, to see a few things here. One is that the event of Jesus' birth had a worldwide impact. It wasn't just the manger. It wasn't just the house that they were in at this moment. It wasn't just in Bethlehem. This birth had a worldwide impact when it took place. Also, because in sending this message to these wise men who were were Gentiles, the Messiah was coming through Israel, yes, but was coming as a gift from God to all nations of the world, not just the Jews. Salvation had come to, to man, to all men, not just the nation of Israel. And third, in contrast to the indifference of the Jewish priests, we talked about that. You know they, they were just a few miles from the birth of the Messiah. They knew the prophecy. They were able to tell the, the wise men where to go. They should have been anticipating this. They were anticipating this, but they didn't act on it. They didn't travel a few simple miles to the place of Jesus' birth when these wise men had traveled this great distance. These Jewish chief priests and scribe, they, they they had no desire to greet the new king, but these Gentiles they were overwhelmed with joy and willing to travel a great distance the time had come the savior was born galatians 4 verses 4 through 5 when the time came to completion god sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons the time had come i mean this is talk about significance the jews have been waiting on the messiah for years and years and years, 400 years of silence from God, they had endured. But finally, the time had come. And how, how incredible is it that these wise men were the ones to receive this message that the king had come? And how incredible is it that these wise men were willing to travel the distance that they did to honor this king? Because they knew this was significant. And we know That this was significant. It's what gives this time of year meaning. This king who was born was not just any king. It was he is the king of kings. He is our savior. He is our Messiah. And he was born of a woman born under the law. He was born to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Salvation had come to man. Talk about significance. I can't think of anything More significant than that. So the best gifts are given with significant meaning, and the best gifts are given also in a sacrificial manner. You know, the best gifts that we give, we sacrifice something to give those gifts. I mean, we're willing to give up something, you know, whether it's something that we want in order to spend a little bit more money on somebody that we care about or an act that we perform that we, we do. And when we would rather be doing something else or great sacrifice, going without ourselves with something we need in order to provide for someone else. R.W. Emerson said this, he said, The only gift, the only gift, is a portion of thyself. True gifts, true gifts that have, have special meaning that are significant and given in, in, in special moments these are gifts that require sacrifice, and these are gifts that show sacrifice. These are gifts that cost something, and it's not even money so much as it is time. You know, the, the time that it takes to give someone something of significance, to do something for someone who is in need, uh, to show love to someone who feels unloved. These types of gifts take time, and it costs us something. They are selfless, these types of gifts. You know, expecting nothing in return. These types of gifts that we give that have significant meaning, they require the sacrifice of even attention, you know. Uh, there is something within us, we like attention, and so we give the best gift. We want the people to appreciate it, but we want everybody to know, hey, I gave that, right? I, I, I spent all this time, I spent all this money to find this perfect gift. Uh, most of you, if not all of you, have heard of Charles Spurgeon. And he and his wife, uh, for years, for as long as they both were alive, until her death, they they raised chickens. And they would take the eggs of these chickens, and they would not give them away. They would only sell them which seemed to be a little bit of a contradiction to his, his personality, to his character. But for years, they, would only, they wouldn't give them to family. They wouldn't give them to friends. They would not give them away. No matter how many times people would ask, they would only sell these eggs. And, you know, people called them greedy. People, you know, called them selfish, but they, they endured it. They just kept doing it, kept doing it. And it wasn't until after Miss Spurgeon passed away that people found out what they were doing with these eggs. There were a few widows that were in great need. And they took it upon themselves to sell these eggs and all of the proceeds went to these widows to help them take care of their needs. Never told anybody about that. Never shared that with anybody. It wasn't until after they were both gone that people realized that they were doing this. They didn't want any recognition. They didn't want any accolades. It was a completely selfless act one, by the way, which drew criticism from people that knew them and cared about them, but they never defended themselves. They, they didn't let their left hand know what their right hand was doing. They received joy from taking care of these widows, and that was enough. They were doing what was best. They were sacrificing in order to provide for the needs of these, these ladies who could not provide for themselves. You know, We'd all like a reputation for generosity. Somebody once said this. And I don't know the the origin of this quote, but it's good. We all want a reputation for generosity, but we'd all like to buy it cheap. We don't want to actually spend the time and the effort and possibly the finances to gain the reputation of being generous. Many times we'd like to perform... A, a, a grand act so that many people can see it and suddenly, oh, that's a generous person. Everybody saw what they did. But how many of us truly, if we evaluate our hearts, are willing to do something like the Spurgeons did and do it and do it in secret to where the reward is, yes, those ladies I know appreciated what they did, but the reward of a Savior saying, well done, good and faithful servant. The reward of the joy that comes from the selfless acts that we perform that no one else knows about. The best gifts involve sacrifice. Also, the best gifts are given with a substantial message. It's all the, the, the motive and the message, the meaning behind the gift. And even some gifts that we would consider cheap, you know, if it's if it's from someone that we know loves us, if it's from someone that we know cares, if the message behind it is, is all of those things, you know it's a true gift of love, it's all about the message. It's all about what that gift says. And so this was certainly true of the gifts of the wise men to Jesus. These gifts say we care. These gifts Tell others that they are special to us, that they are unique, that they matter, that we love them sincerely. That's why we give the gifts that we do, because we want to show the people in our lives how much we care about them and that they are special to us. Many gifts say a lot of different things. So let's look again at the gifts of the wise men and what they truly mean here. You know, they were given, these gifts uh, were given with sincere motives. Let's look at the gifts, you know, the wise men, again, all of this applies to the gifts that they gave. They were recognizing him as a king. They were overwhelmed with joy. But let's look at the gift of Jesus himself and how these apply as well. Sincere motives. What was God's motive in giving this gift? Well, his love. Yes, God was glorified, is glorified in Jesus' death and resurrection. And salvation and saving his people. There's glory, and he deserves glory for that because it's all him. But make no mistake, God gave the gift of Jesus, and it was motivated by love. 1 John 4 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. God's gift is a gift of love. He cares for us, He cares for his people, and He knew that we could not save ourselves from sin so he gives the gift of his son the best gifts the most significant gifts are given with special meaning that we've established and what's the meaning of the gift of Christ i mean the the if you if you like i believe the greater significance of the gifts of the wise men i mean it was a a prophecy in and of itself about the way he would die for our sins, about the fact that he was king of kings, about the fact that, that he would pay the price, he would die as a, sacri- a sacrifice for our sins. But we know that Jesus, the name Jesus, the Old Testament uh, version of that is Joshua, that name. And it, and it literally means Jehovah is salvation. Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And then Matthew 1, 25, he gave him the name Jesus, which of course means Jehovah's Salvation. But when you think about that name, and I read a paper a student wrote about this, the name of Jesus and the significance of that name, and when you read that name, uh, Jehovah is salvation. If you just if you just look at it that way, it's a little passive, right? I mean, I can know that God is salvation, but it's not personalized until I accept Christ as Savior. And and uh, Ben Sweat, a student who wrote this paper, he he gave a little more exciting translation of the name Jesus. If you look in Young's Analytical Concordance of the Bible, it says Joshua. Literally means Yah saves. Yah being short for Yahweh, God, the name, the covenant name of God. Um, Yah plus Shua means God is salvation. But Yeshua literally or it means also the the meaning wrapped up in that is to save, to save alive, or to rescue. So when you put all that together, yes, God is salvation. But it's not just saving from anything. He is actively saving. You know, God rescues us from sin. That's the purpose of Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. It immediately changes. When you, when you understand the meaning in that way, it immediately changes the implication of his name, of what it means. To believe in Jesus' name becomes to believe that God actively cares and actively goes about rescuing lost souls. I'm going to say that again because this is so very significant. God isn't just a distant God. Yeah, God is salvation, but he may or may not offer it to people, right? He may may or may not get personally involved in people's lives if you just take that meaning. But if you understand the full meaning, it means that, To believe in Jesus' name, to call on him for salvation, means to believe that God actively cares about and actively goes about rescuing lost souls. He's not leaving breadcrumbs in a maze for us to find salvation. God initiates salvation. He initiated it with the birth of Christ. He initiates it when the Holy Spirit brings us under conviction and draws us to himself. God initiates salvation and providing a way for our sins to be paid for because we could not pay for them ourselves. And he actively pursues people. In the midst of a time where things are confusing and people are sick and people are struggling financially, it's easy to ask, and all of us probably have, God, why are we still here? Why have you not returned? Well, the, the, the one answer that's absolutely true, there's a lot of answers I don't have to that question, but the one answer that's absolutely true is that, God, there are more people to be saved. And he is actively pursuing those people. And when those people are saved, he'll step out from eternity, from heaven, and take us to be with him. He's actively pursuing. Now, in contrast to that, think about someone who believes in the existence of God, but doesn't really think that God cares. You saw that shown in the skit this morning, right? There are people out there who believe in God, but they believe he's distant, uncaring, that he's just... He's either a puppet master taking some kind of evil joy and watching us all suffer, or that he just created us and left us to fend for ourselves and doesn't care and doesn't want to be involved in our lives. Think about that person. This person is missing out on the crucial aspect of the character of God, the love of God, the nature of divine love that we see in Jesus' life. We see in God's gift, we see in his sacrifice, his death. He, You know, this Jesus, God himself, had less reason to get involved in rescue work than anyone we sinned against him. We chose to go our own way. And he would have been perfectly justified in just leaving us to fend for ourselves and suffering the punishment that we all deserve. Or think of someone who believes that God is salvation. Sure, he'd know God is vital, that faith is important, but he's missing out on the full richness and the all of the concept that God himself is reaching out to those who are lost and willing to touch them with love and to draw them to himself. It's not just a passive, hey, God's salvation, but we don't know how to get there. God's distant. He created us, and we should be thankful for that, but we're on our own. No, this is the God of the universe, the holy, separate Jehovah, God of the universe who loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And if we believe in him, we believe in a God who is actively pursuing us Drawing us to himself for salvation, but beyond that, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our joys, who continues to pursue us. Because if you're like me, you've experienced times in your life where you've run away from God as a child of God, and he didn't let me run away forever. He pursued me. And sometimes it took a lot of pursuing and a lot of discipline to get my attention, but he didn't give up on me, and he's still not giving up on me, and he will not give up on you. He will not give up on us as a people. He will continue to pursue us, and as long as we pursue him, we will come to know Jesus, Yahweh as salvation, Yahweh as the rescuer who actively pursues us daily. The best gifts, these gifts have special meaning and the gift of Jesus has the meaning of salvation. If you believe in Jesus' name as God rescues, you believe God is actively loving and caring for you and he'll never leave you. He will seek you out and if we will seek out him, he will calm your fears. He will give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you purpose in the midst of chaos. He will give you order in your heart. He will give you assurance when the the ground around you, a firm foundation when it is shaking. He will give you everything you need from day to day to be able to survive. Not only survive, but thrive. These gifts represent significant moments as we've established. The significant moment for us is that we were all dead in sin. That's pretty significant. We were lost, dead in sin. And Ephesians 2, 1 tells us, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were dead. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't bring ourselves back to life. And and, and no way out, No, no way of rescue. That's a pretty significant moment. But these gifts are also given with a sacrificial manner. And that's where the rescue comes in. God, you know, there have been times in my life where I've doubted God's love. And I'm sure some of you have as well. And in those moments, I have to remind myself that that I should never doubt God's love. You know, they, we can question why God allows things. We can question, you know, uh, the what behind the circumstances that we face or the struggles that we have. But if we are truly believers, we should never question His love. I mean, the world should never question His love. Although it's understandable to do that from time to time. How do we know that God loved us? Well, God gave his son to die for us. You know, I've shared gifts of Gracie's first Christmas. I now have four children, two boys and two girls. And I can tell you, there are people in this world that I love dearly, but there is no one in this world that I would give one of my children for. I'm just being honest. I cannot ever imagine myself doing that. The act of giving my son or my daughters. For someone else, people that didn't even appreciate my love as we didn't appreciate God's love. We proved that in our sin, but God sacrificed. The Father sacrificed his son, and then Jesus sacrificed his life. There might be a few people I'd give my life for, but that list is probably pretty small if I'm honest. But Jesus gave his life for the world. Romans 5 eight God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved his love. Don't doubt the love of God. And if you find yourself in that place, go back to verses like that. Go back to stories, scriptures like we're looking at today. God proved his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, deserving what we got, deserving the punishment that was ahead, Christ died for us. And there's also a substantial message as we've established. The message here is, is so beautiful, so simple, yet so profound. God loves you. Wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, whoever is in your life, whoever's not in your life, whoever may have abandoned you this Christmas, you may feel like you're not loved. Let me assure you, God loves you. He proved His love in sending His Son. Jesus proved His love in giving His life, and He offers you eternal life. You know, gifts are hard to find. Some gifts are difficult to find. I hope all the gifts that I've gotten for Mandy, for the kids, for my parents, others, I hope they have significant meaning. I hope those folks will appreciate those gifts. I hope the time and the effort that I've put in will pay off. Um, But I hope that they are significant, they are special, because they understand how much I care about them and how much I love them. The best gifts have special meaning. They're significant. And they're significant because of the motives that are behind them. They're significant because of what they represent. And there's no greater gift, no more significant, no more special gift, no more life-changing. One of these days, these things will be gone. Right? One of these days, all of this will be gone. As significant as they are, one day... They will be no more. But the gift that God gives will last for all of eternity. So this Christmas, you know, think about, I'm I'm sure you've thought about your gifts. You know, enjoy the gifts that you give each other. But there's a gift of greater significance that you can both receive and gift. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ. And if you're out there today and you've never accepted, maybe the truth of God is salvation is a distant truth to you until this point, and right now the Holy Spirit's bringing you under conviction, showing you you need forgiveness of sin. God's offering you the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation this Christmas, and I encourage you to accept it. All you have to do is is cry out to him where you are. You don't have to have all the answers of theology and doctrine and You don't have to know all of Scripture. All you need to know in this moment is that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. God is is calling you to himself, that Jesus was born, that he lived a sinless life, and that he died on the cross so that he could pay the price for your sins as a perfect sacrifice for your sins, and that he was raised from the dead three days later. And if you will invite him into your life, And accept him as Lord and Savior. You can be saved and you can receive the greatest gift you will ever receive in all of your life. For those of us who know him, as we give our gifts this Christmas, there's a gift with far more meaning that we can give. And we can give the gift of Jesus. We can share the gospel with someone who needs to know Christ. We can show the love of Jesus through our actions, through our caring, through selfless acts of giving, sacrificial acts of giving, by sharing our love with family members and friends. So this Christmas, wherever you are, receive the gift of Jesus. Make sure you've done that. But then turn around and give the gift of Jesus. Now, we're going to have a time of prayer in just a few moments. And then after that time of prayer, I'm going to share a few announcements with you about the week ahead and, and, and things that are going on. But, but right now... Um, we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer, wherever you are, at home, with your family, wherever you are, and just think about the gift of Jesus Christ and what that means to you and whether or not you need to receive that gift. And if you do, I pray that you will. Think about also how you can, amongst all the other gifts, or along with all the other gifts, how you can give the gift of Jesus this Christmas. Let's just, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, We know the significance of your sacrifice. We know the significance of your willingness to give yourself. The act of love, unconditional, selfless, sacrificial love that is beautifully displayed in your giving of your Son and Jesus, your giving of your life for our sins. And Father, I just have to believe that of the people watching today, that there's someone out there. Who's never received that gift, who's never accepted you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of their lives. And I pray that right now, as we have this time of prayer, that you would just draw them to yourself. You can save anyone, anywhere, anytime, any place, from the uttermost to the guttermost, wherever they are, all they have to do is cry out to you. Do it in silence or out loud, it doesn't matter. If it's from their heart, if they truly seek you, you will enter their lives and save them. And I pray that they would do that in this moment as we pray. For those of us this Christmas, it's been a challenging couple of years now. And new challenges around the corner, every step. Every time we think we've taken a step beyond the pandemic or other challenges, something else happens. To remind us that we certainly don't know the future and that this world is shaky. That this world is difficult in many ways. But Father, we have reason to have joy today and always. We have the greatest gift that we could ever receive. We have the gift of salvation. We have the gift of joy in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. We have the gift of eternal life that will never be taken away from us. And no matter what life brings, no matter what challenges we face, and the good times and the bad, no matter what physical gifts we receive, those are, are temporary, Father. Those things will one day be dust and ash. But the life that you've given will never be taken away. And that is reason to celebrate. We celebrate your birth. We celebrate Your love, we celebrate your mercies, your grace that is sufficient. We celebrate the peace that you give, not just at Christmas, but always. If we will accept it, if we will receive it, we can have peace that is beyond human comprehension. We celebrate you as Lord, as King of kings and Lord of lords, as Savior of the world. We celebrate you as a God who's not distant and uncaring, but a God who actively pursues us daily. And if we will seek your kingdom in all that we do, you will add the things to our life that we need. You will take care of us. Not always the things that we want, but you will provide for us daily as we walk in faith, one day at a time, one step at a time. And maybe that's the most important thing we can learn during all of this is that we have to depend on you desperately and daily. Lord, I pray that we would celebrate that gift this Christmas and that we would be willing to share that gift this Christmas. Lord, just speak to our hearts. Draw us to yourself. Remind us of who you are and what you've called us to do. And may we pursue your kingdom work and our relationship with you above everything else and trust that you will provide for our needs each day. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We celebrate you, our King of kings and Lord of lords. Emmanuel, God, you who are amongst us, who are in us, living in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.